when I got there, I got the material, it was like, it was obvious that, oh, they have specific things that they want me to sing, and I don't know any of these songs, and I was like, I got another plan. I will go down to where the audition is, and I'm going to just hang out there all day long listening to what they're doing in the room. Wow. <laughs> but I get down there, and they don't have any morning auditions. I don't want to mess with the listeners. I want them to know. Oh, I was in the last. I was. I was listening to the last episode. And now I'm up to this episode. And now I know. Like it's good. It's, it's like Bono and Vertigo. Uno, dos, no. Tres, one. No, it's uno, dos, dos tres, cuatorze. Which isn't how numbers work. Yeah, thanks, Bono. Yeah, but uh, he thought he was being so cute. I'm, one, two, three. Fourteen. Oh, hello, hello. <laughs> That's what the song sounds like to me. I've never seen you this energetic. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I guess that's just my Bono impression. <laughs> it took all, it took everything out of me. <laughs> when the streets have no name. Oh my God, I didn't know you were such a big U2 fan. I'm not. Okay. I do have a friend named uh, Rob Bevanek, a comedian, and we were arguing on Facebook because he says that they're worse than Nickelback. And I, Ooh, like, they're... That's a big claim. That, no. And also, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy uh, some Nickelback songs. So, my taste is trash. Welcome to I'm Trying, the show where your hosts have trash tastes, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, a, fa- it's a failure at, at being culturally relevant. Okay. So, it fits. Right. I'm Janelle Dennis. I'm Jacob Derwin. Thanks for joining us for episode 12. We're really glad you're here. I, for one, think I have fantastic taste. Uh, I know you do, because you listen to, like, cool, uh, rock, like, indie rock. Cool indie rock. Yeah, where the lyrics are so deep. That's, and, like, that's, 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 that's you're, you're saying a lot of things right now. <laughs> I feel like words. you feel offended. No. <laughs> you're like, that is true, but I don't like it for some reason. No, you you like music that is very deep. I like and, thoughtful music, yes. Uh, profound. Sometimes. And Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. My favorite artist is Jonathan Colton. His most popular song is about monkey. It's about a monkey. Even with that, it's like absurd. It's not like <laughs> it's um uh uh. No, I can't say that in terms of words. <laughs> Back that butt up. Go you working with some. Yeah, I don't. I don't listen to a lot of club music. If that's what you're trying to say, I'm not. I'm not big into club music. No. Like those. <laughs> No, you're right. I don't. Yeah, that's, I don't not, that's not up your alley. Much. I'm not much of a dance music guy, I suppose. Yeah. Unless we're talking about old time jazz and swing. Mm, I love a song where it tells you what to do with the dance. Like a cha-cha slide. Cha-cha slide killed it. Electric electric slide doesn't tell you. I think you just really. have to know it. That's the, tricky. The hustle just tells you to do the hustle. Yeah. See, those <laughs> those are really tricky because you feel left out until someone teaches. Oh, oh the cupid shuffle's pretty good. Cupid Shuffle tells you everything. Oh, I don't think I know Cupid Shuffle. To the right, to the right, to the right, to the right, to the left, to the left, to the left. That wasn't like a a black dance, was it? I don't know. (laughs) First of all, how would I know? Second of all. (laughs) I know Electric Slide was, and I didn't know it growing up because I didn't grow up in the States. And in Canada, Mm -hmm. we didn't have that. So it took uh, going to my sister, my half-sister who lives in Florida going to her graduation party mm. and everyone you know 
no, I'm 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 wrong. Going to my my great uncle's eighty fifth or like eightieth birthday here in New York. Okay. And everyone was doing it. And I just went, um uh I don't <laughs> know this and you feel so dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the first time you go to a bar mitzvah and everyone does the Cotton Eye Joe and you're like, oh, I've co- never I done the Cotton Eye Joe. There is, con- whoever, who sings Cotton Eye Joe? Uh, rednecks. They're a Swedish, a Swedish hillbilly electronica pop band. It's as weird okay, we as it sounds. Because well, I, think that, I think that song was worse than anything um, Nickelback put out. I listened to I if I had if you had to choose look at oh, this as a poll episode you, twelve the episode where Janelle defends Nickelback for twenty minutes I'll <laughs> I'll die on that hill I what's don't your care. what's your favorite episode of I'm trying little Jimmy I like the one where Janelle defends Nickelback for a long time I hope Sammy Capo who designed her artwork tweets about this because she already tweeted about me defending Iggy Azalea <laughs> that it was a super big reveal but no if you had the choice to choose okay what would you choose. Um, <laughs> Uh, knowing, hearing Cotton Eye Joe every hour, every hour on the hour for the rest of your life, oh and God. having to sing along and mm-hmm. dance, or well, having to sing along that's required. Yeah. Or hearing Nickelback photograph do every I, hour on the hour. Do I have to hour, sing and dance to and photograph too? No, because not. <laughs> Because you got to make it fair, Janelle. You got to make it fair. No, you'd brood or like... uh, You'd brood. However old people are that are are getting super hyped up about Endgame Mm -hmm. right now. Like, you know, 14, 15. Actually, that's a bad example. Because all of my uh, (laughs) 30-something friends are hyped. I just saw it yesterday. Over Avengers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was that hype age when... uh, Not Superman. Spider-Man came out. Mm -hmm. And Hero... With Chad Kruger and Josie Scott, that that's a good song. I'm sorry, it's it's. I love how you're. It's objectively a good song. I love how your big memory of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies is Chad Kroger singing a song. Yeah, and the video was good. Did it feature Spider-Man? Of course it did. Well, then of course it was gonna be good. Uh, there's two. There's two standout songs from that movie. Um, shout out to Andrew Zuber if you're listening because I know we've watched this over and over again, <laughs> and there was. Um, the Chad Kruger, Josie Scott, the and they say that a hero will save us, not gonna stand either way. I'm aware of the song, yes. That, oh. <laughs> You're trying to, like, not put respect on it, which is, <laughs> which is very, uh, angering me a lot. But um, the other song was Secondhand Serenade. The uh, hope dangles on a string like slow-spinning redemption. Blah, blah, blah. Vindicated! I am selfish! I am wrong! I am right! I swear I'm right! Swear I knew it all along? I don't know. Oh my god, I feel like that's that's the song you'd be into. Maybe. Unless you thought it was too uh, um, pretentious. <laughs> I, I admittedly, for being, I mean, I was, what, what year did Spider-Man come out? Like 2004? I think that's exactly the year. As we're going to say 2004. I was nine. So I definitely watched the movie, but that era mm. of music, kind of, the early 2000s scene that a lot of my contemporaries kind of define themselves by, I feel like I missed it. Mm. Maybe I was a little bit younger, or I just wasn't paying attention. Maybe you weren't to allowed to watch around. it because of the upside down no, makeout scene. I watched Spider-Man as a kid, yeah. Mm. I'm not talking about the movie, I'm saying that era of music in general. Uh, like a lot of that stuff kind of flew over my head. Damn, peak Britney? 
Honest? I mean, no, no, no. I had Britney Spears. I had the first. Uh, I had Oops, I Did It Again. It was like... I was one that of the was first, 1999. One of the first CDs I ever had. But um, but there was this thing in early 2000s where like a lot of my, a lot of my friends now were like, you know, they'll go to like scene nights and they'll like emo music nights and they'll go oh. like these clubs that play all this like 2000 to 2008 kind of mix of pop and rock. Yeah. And none of it affects me. None of it... No emotional me. response at very, all. Very little. I'm very. I'm only familiar with so much of it. Meanwhile, like I, I know the entire Ben Folds discography for some reason. I don't even. So it's this weird. It's Folds. this weird thing where I missed a whole bunch of stuff for some reason. I mean, I think it fits your brand. Like, it, oh, yeah. if you imagine if you just got back into that. Yeah. And I became a huge 2003 secondhand actually, serenade fan. <laughs> or Lindsay Lohan's oh, big. <laughs> Well, it makes sense given who's on the show this episode. Go for it. Um, kind of. She's not on the show. <laughs> uh, she was phased out. Lindsay Lohan's <laughs> our guest on today's episode. Um, <laughs> I... Dina Lohan is our guest. Get uh, it right? Please no. No, Lindsay Lohan came out. People don't remember this, but she had a brief music career. And I I was a fan. I, I, I mean, now I think people... I think... Anyone that's listening, you're going to expect that. If I said I liked, <laughs> if I thought Nickelback was okay, and you too, and Iggy Azalea, like this is, and I'm not, I swear, I swear I'm not trolling. Lindsay Lohan's <laughs> first single at Teenage Drama Queen, I loved it, loved it so much. And then she came out with her pop hit rumors where in the music video she's in a birdcage and so edgy and she looks great. And then the the peak, the climax of the music video, she goes to a rooftop of the club because mm-hmm. the whole song is like, I'm tired of room is stud and sick of being followed, all the paparazzi, everything. Okay. So she escapes to a rooftop and helicopters are circling her. Helicopters are circling her, and then what does she do? What do you do when helicopters are circling you? Sprout and- wings and fly away. That one makes sense. Not Miss Lohan. Dance break. Yeah. And it was pretty good. It was a it was Pop good. stars, yo. Yeah, and it was like a dance break. Like, I miss a dance break in a music video. And it was like this weird uh, guitar riff that was like clearly, I don't know, not... Out of place. <laughs> no, it actually was very in place for the song. But it didn't sound... Like, you can't... When you listen to it, you don't imagine someone playing it. Mm-hmm. It's just like a cut and paste... I guess that's that. That's your point, but <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like when you hit the uh, the on the keyboard when it comes with the preset music things. Oh, like she was playing like the guitar setting on the keyboard. Yeah, it's like bam, 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 bam. But the choreo was on point. <laughs> and if and if uh, um, this is getting <laughs> so deep, but I know someone who's been listening to the podcast. Shout out to Tito Faustino. We both know the all, all the moves to that Lindsay Lohan dance break. You know, remember that time when you like kind of forced the name of that uh, Limp Biscuit album into my head? Chocolate starfish and, and I, the hot dog flavored water. Oh yeah, my god! And now I still remember that, and now I have that in my memory. I feel like that's the same for you. You have this huge block of your brain that could be like cool science facts <laughs> or like how to do your taxes it's trash music and instead it's like the choreography from a Lindsay Lohan song oh my God. same idea just like that could be anything one day you could know how to like change like your pipes as a, do like save some money on some plumbing yeah change or, a like, tire change a tire one, practical skills jokes on you because one day I'm going to be at a trivia night in New York and that's going to be the question 
the I'm bonus. Gonna, and I'm going to be hosting that trivia win. night. <laughs> and I'm going to win, I don't know, maybe $25 or something. <laughs> I'm going to have, thank you, Lindsay. And then sing uh, her song from Herbie, Fully Loaded, first. I, I don't that know. was a good song, too. Oh, oh like, like she was going to come in first yeah. place yeah. in the little boat oh, she had a she had a cool little uh, not a dance break but a little you know in songs sometimes when they ha- when they speak and it's cool and they do like their cool sexy speaking voice where she stops sure, it yeah, like, i want to come first i want to come first hey and then she um yeah <laughs> she continues with the song <laughs> Whew, i mean don't get me wrong i love a, i love a good sexy speaking break our guest today i our guest today is the amazingly talented Rick Younger, mm-hmm. who currently is on Mean Girls on Broadway, yes, he playing is. Mr. Duval, you the principal. Oh my gosh! Yeah, not I, Robert. Not to be confused with Robert Duval. Different people. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be yeah. a whole another musical. Yeah, the Mean Girls currently at the August Wilson Theater, correct? Yeah. And it was cool because we got to uh, head to the theater and meet them after a matinee showing. Yeah, on location show. On interview. location. So Look you might, at us. I know, we're, we're moving on up. <laughs> uh, you might actually like... <laughs> we literally, we did the interview in his uh, dressing room, which was awesome. And uh, it's cool, like, backstage-y kind of yeah. area. You might hear some, like, noise from the street in the far background of the audio because... It was hot, and we had to open a window. And I, I thought it was kind of special, actually. I really enjoyed, when I was editing the episode, I really enjoyed like listening the to the... not not There weren't even that many sirens. Just like the general kind of like middle of Manhattan kind of sound far in the background. Like, not distracting, but just like there. Like, framing the yeah. scene. Like, you're on Broadway doing, <laughs> listening to this, you know? It's cool. There's songs about that I've heard <laughs> being on Couple. Broadway. And it was such a Broadway New York experience, because when we showed up, well, I met you there, and mm. there were just all these fans waiting, waiting for outside yeah. for autographs, and then we were kind of trying to find our way uh, in, inside, yeah. and yeah, they, like, these people? Yeah, yeah, security led us behind like the, the gate you know, where the, that separates the cast from the fans, mm-hmm. and we were just like waiting there to go inside for a little bit, and like the fans are all just standing around us with their playbills, and we're just like there with a the backpack full yeah. of audio equipment. We totally could have said we were someone in the play. I could have said I was the unfriendly black hottie. <laughs> Anyways, this intro was all over the place. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Okay, um, thank God you did. Anyways, Rick Younger is a fantastic performer on Mean Girls. Uh, he's a comedian. He's a singer. We talk about how he got actors. From, actor. How he got from 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 not really doing super good in college to <laughs> all the way up to Broadway and the process of getting there. And yeah. um, it was a really uh, a really cool interview in a really cool location. And we hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed having it. Uh, so. Talk to you after the podcast. Bye. Bye. See you later. That was pre-engineering was the um, was the first major. Mm-hmm. Of course, I tested into calculus, so I had an eight o'clock calculus class. Oh, I had chemistry, and um, I also didn't get on-campus housing. At that time, there was a lot of overcrowding in housing. So what they would do is they would either put you in one of the hotels, which is along Route 1 where University of Maryland is, yeah. or they would give you some of your money back and you commute from wherever you were from. Uh-huh. And, you know, money back. Money <laughs> I was back. like... Yeah. And so my brother at the time happened to be stationed at an Air Force base not too oh. far from 
University of Maryland's campus. So our big thing was we would get up in the morning, we would drive to his Air Force base, drop him off, and then I'd take the car, drive up to Maryland's campus, take my classes, then go pick him up, and then we drive back to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Great idea in theory, <laughs> except that also meant we had to get up early. It meant we had to deal with rush hour traffic going and coming. Oof. Also meant that being young men as we were, it's like we had to stay up late at night talking to our girlfriends of on the course. phone. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... And of course, I'm in college, so I'm supposed to be doing homework and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, as the semester is going on, I'm, I'm, the getting up at five o'clock in the morning is harder and harder. We're more tired. We're sleeping, driving. We're driving down the highway and sleeping. I mean, both of us, like mm-hmm. heads back, sleep. We wake up every once in a while. We're almost off the road. That's like the fact that we lived through it was <laughs> like that was already um, a major <laughs> accomplishment. So. Um, yeah, I was so I never got to the eight o'clock class on time, and it's calculus. You missed the first class; <laughs> you are behind. And so I was Those like, "Fundamentals." Yeah. Yes. So calculus mm-hmm. class, I never made it on time. Chemistry was in the afternoon, <laughs> which meant it was time to take a nap. So I was I slept through chemistry. Wow. I mean, one time, I mean, I was asleep every every chemistry class. I was asleep. It was in a big lecture hall, and one day I went to class and I'm sitting on like the, the edge, you know, the, the edge of the, the aisle mm-hmm. and I'm dozing off. I mean, like that kind of doze off where you like try to put your head, your head in your hand, but you mm-hmm. keep sliding off. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, and so I kept doing that. And then one time I, I slid off and almost fell into the the aisle of the stairs going down to the bottom of the lecture hall. Oh, I, when, when I almost fell and rolled down the steps, I just got up, picked up my books, and left. And it was like... <laughs> <laughs> so you went from dream state to I got Yeah, go. and it was... And I mean... I've heard stories on your podcast of people with bad GPAs, but no one, <laughs> no one beats me. I had a .6 GPA. No. Wow! Yes. And they yes. let you stay. <laughs> yes, they did. They did let me stay. It's, and the thing that's so messed up about that GPA is that whenever you go like to meet with a counselor, you'd have to, you know, they always ask your GPA. And it's always somebody working who's a student. Yeah. So now they know what your GPA is. And they're not very good, nor do they try to be very good about hiding the shock of your GPA <laughs> or even laughing at you. Matter of fact, one of, I was I eventually joined a fraternity, and a guy who was my frat brother, who I didn't know at the time, yeah. you know, wasn't my frat brother yet, but I eventually became his frat brother. He was working there, and I to this day, I'm, I never, I, I've never even told him this, but it's like I told him, and he laughed at me. I was like, dude, I mean. Why are you working the desk if you have, if you can't if you can't control that then you don't need to be working here. So, but yeah, it was you know. But I didn't want to be there anyway. But, yeah. You know. But I got it together. I obviously got my GPA up high enough to pledge a fraternity. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing your family did not know about the point six. Of course they knew about the point six. How they? I mean, the grades had to go home. Right. What was their reaction? It's like you got to do better. It's like, <laughs> it's like what are you doing? It's like we know you can do better than this. Yeah. But they also. <laughs> they also knew that the living off campus and commuting was the reason for it. So, like, mm-hmm. next semester, you're on campus, and, you know, I am. So, I did. And, um, 
eventually I just stayed on campus all the time. As a matter of fact, it got to the point where my mother's like, you don't ever come home anymore. I was like, well, there's a lot going on on campus or nothing. Mm-hmm. I got to be there. So, yeah. you know, there was partying. There was, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it was it was great. I love college. So, like, I stayed for six and a half years. <laughs> but the chemistry and the calculus. Yes, because that. what happened is after that, I kept doing the, the change the major. So, after, oh. so, so I was like, okay, I don't want to be an engineer and I don't like all this chemistry, this is like it's not fun yeah. for me. Um, I was like, okay, everybody keeps saying I should be a lawyer. All right, um, let's do what's that? Let's do uh, government and politics. Mm. So I was government and politics. And I was like, I don't really like this. Um, then I was like, maybe I'll do uh, RTVF, which is radio, television, and film, because that's you know, because if you would have asked me in college what I really wanted to do, I would have told you to write, produce, and direct for television and film. There you go. So I was like, all right, radio, television, and film. I started doing that. I did like that, but now I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm in college for so long that I need to figure out how to get out of here. So I went to see a counselor, and they was like, you know what, <laughs> you have uh, you have enough requirements pretty much fulfilled in radio, television, and film and Afro-American studies to make those your minors, Mm -hmm. and you could get a degree in American studies. I was like, that's what we'll do. And and I thrived in American studies, because American studies is like, it's culture studies. It's the reasons behind the history, not the history itself. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when you think about comedians, that's what we do, you know? And it was like, I really, like, I did well. I wanted to read the material and everything. And once I got the major that kind of suited me, I went ahead and graduated. There you go. As a, as a, as a broadcast television major, I totally get it. (laughs) You don't, you don't necessarily start there because like, I've always wanted to be a news anchor. You're like, Oh look, cameras and writing. Yeah. Okay, microphones. I like. Okay, I see. You know, right. Jason. Absolutely. Well, that's why um, I always tell people because you know you meet a lot of young people doing you know being in a Broadway show who have dreams and you're like, I'm I'm a big advocate of go towards your dream because everybody that starts towards the dream, the dream doesn't always turn out being what you think it is, mm-hmm. but you might find the real the real or actual dream while starting towards something else. You know, so many people that I know like start out as performers, become directors, um, agents even. You know, yeah. it's like it's it's so yeah. many possibilities of where you can go with it. And so it's like at least start there. And, you know, hopefully you have parents that don't discourage that. There's so many things that are honorable professions that a lot of times we act like they're they're not. Mm -hmm. Because, well, you know, we always base it on, you know, we watch people who are movie stars and like, oh, my goodness, another one in rehab. And, you know, like if if you grow, especially grow up in a church environment, it's like, you know, that it's, it's almost like you're deciding to be a part of a sinful world and a sinful life so i understand it i'm just like i'm not going to perpetuate that if my if my kids want to do something that whatever they want to do all right do it i mean whatever mm-hmm. i mean hopefully it's something that i'm not like what you know like you know like you want to be a lawyer like, yeah that's how i would probably be about that <laughs> you know i mean you know People always talk about it as as a father, it's your job to keep your daughter off the pole. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, I'm I'm not spending my children's life worrying about protecting their sexuality or mm-hmm. virtue. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like if I just, I I you know, part of being a parent is being 
the good example and also just being the kind of person that's open and loving enough towards them that makes them not afraid to be who they are. Mm. That's huge. Yeah, so that's what I'm hoping to do with my kids. When I did have a nine-to-five job, I spent the last three hours of work straightening out my desk. Mm. I would go to lunch the latest possible time so that I could get back with only three hours left. Mm. And it was like, okay, let's move that pencil from over here to there. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's a file cabinet over there. Let's go over there and see what needs to be uh, organized. And, and, and I would just spend all my time trying not to work. Yeah. And when I when I was the That's little, a skill in itself. Yeah, the little bit of time that was acting, I was practicing. <laughs> and a little bit of time I did have a, a job after college. It was like I'd already started doing stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was how like, did that come into play? When did you Well Do you remember I'm, your first set? Oh, I remember it well. Um I um <coughs> I um wanted to be a singer. And uh, so that was my plan, get out of college and really start pursuing the music. And right before I got out of college, um, Def Jam had just hit. Mm-hmm. So um, one of my best friends loved Def Comedy Jam. And he was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do stand-up comedy. And he was so excited about it. And he was like, hey, man, I found out about this open mic night at the Greenbelt Comedy Connection. I'm going up there. You should come with me. I thought he wanted me to come and to, you know, to support him. And I was like, sure, I'll go support you if that's what you need to help you get up on stage. She's like, no, man, you make people laugh. You should get up there, too. And I was like, all right, if that's what you need to get you going, I'll go. Wow. Um, I said, but if I bomb, I'm never doing it again. Wow. And um, so uh, he was like, well, open mic is next week. Um, I said, all right, cool. Um, and I, w- I decided since I make people laugh all the time, that this week I would pay attention to what I said to make people laugh and then come up with material based on the things that I made people laugh about that week. Mm-hmm. It was the first week where I did not make anybody laugh for six days. <laughs> and so I'm like, so I, you know, I resigned myself to the fact that, well, I'm a bum, but I'm a singer, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. And so on the way to meet him on campus, because we decided we're going to meet on campus, then we're going to go to... Uh, open mic on the way to meet him on campus boys to men end of the road came on oh and that part <laughs> and i just started talking out loud i said what is that brother talking about I don't know what you know? I'm gonna do. right you know exactly i was like so i'm just a bit just stream of consciousness talking about you know, you know, singers where you can't understand what they were saying. <laughs> and I, I talked for about five minutes in my car. From, it went from, from them to Elton John with Benny and the Jets. <laughs> I mean, and so I was like, the light bulb here was like, there it is. <laughs> so I'm like, I go up there and I said, dude, I think I know what I'm going to do. Wow. And, and then so I, so he's like, well, let's go up on campus, go to the girls' dorm and try this out on a couple of our friends. Wow. So we went and we 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 did our sets twice. Uh, our friend Katina was working the front desk and we did it for her. Mm-hmm. Then we went upstairs. Uh, a few a few other friends that we knew were up there and they all were on the same floor and we did it again for them. And then we we're like, all right, let's go. And the thing that was really cool was that open mic. The first time you go on, you pay five bucks, but it was all you could eat pizza. 
I'm like, I'm, like, I'm a college student. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so to me, that wasn't even about open mic. This was $5 or you can eat pizza. I was like, dude, this is a, it was like, it was no way I could lose that night. It probably yeah. that, you know, in, in retrospect, that's what made me so comfortable and relaxed. And the I was pizza. able to do I was that just the fact that I was, everything else least. about it was like already a win. So yeah. <laughs> one of the comedians going on that night was, um, a fraternity brother of mine. <laughs> and so I had no idea that he was going to be there. Um, he was a fraternity brother from a different chapter. So I knew him because we all knew each other from different chapters, but he didn't go to my school. So I, that's why I didn't know he would be there. So I get there and I see him. His name is Peanut. And I his was name like, is Peanut? Peanut is his name. Okay. So I'm like, um, you know, what's up, man? What you doing? He's like, I'm about, you know, I do this. You know, he made it sound like he was the man. I was like, oh, okay. Peanut about to make some butter. He's like, go ahead, Peanut, do your thing, man. I, 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 you know, I was like, you know, all right. I, I, deference, you know. And so um, Peanut went on and died the death of a thousand comics. Uh. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Peanut. I was like, you told me that you were going to do this, Peanut. You lied to me. So um, <laughs> so Peanut did his thing. Oh, and wow. I was on like two or three comics after Peanut. And so I just walked up on stage and I was like, uh, hey, y'all, uh, this is my first time doing uh, stand-up comedy on stage. Um, but after seeing what Peanut just did, I figured anybody could be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody laughed but I was just speaking you know once again another that stream of consciousness that hap- just happened earlier it was the same thing I was just kind of like saying hey this is my first time and uh the pressure's off because Peanut sucks mm-hmm. but I'm you know <laughs> and, wow. but I wasn't trying to diss him and so when everybody laughed and reacted, I said, oh, no, 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 no. I, I said, I know Peanut. <laughs> and, uh, and I even flashed in the fraternity song, yo, yo. And uh, so that made them laugh even more. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and something inside I said, now do those jokes that you came up with on the way here. And I went straight into my set. Wow. And had this great first, first set. Like, <laughs> the kind of first set where it's like, wow, that was, you know. You know how rare that is. Yeah, it's very rare. But it was also... It, I had I had to have that to be here today because mm-hmm. I was like if I bomb I'm never doing it again and I, I so meant that I mean it's kind of those are real extremely high standards well you know the thing is is that it's uh, oddly enough it's kind of like that's how a lot of talented people are mm-hmm. that's why a lot of talented people quit before mm-hmm. <laughs> you know talented people have this belief that as soon as someone sees me they're gonna basically be like wild and take me away like uh, I'm going to go up on on the comedy club stage and I'm going to make everybody laugh and that producer's going to be in the back of the room mm-hmm. and I'm going to be like Freddie Prince, you know, <laughs> and and you see what it did to Freddie, but it's like it's the type of thing where talented people expect faster results and when it doesn't happen, they get discouraged and quit. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas people who you cuz we've all seen that person where we're like I don't know who told that guy he was funny. Mm. Who told that girl she was funny? But she keeps getting up there, and the next thing you know, the guy that was talented, all the talented people start falling off, and the the person that didn't quit keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about comedy. Comedy is one of those things where you can get better as long as you leave yourself the the room to get better. If you mm-hmm. believe you can be, get better, if even though you have great bits already, you're willing to abandon those bits to expand and grow. Because yeah. there there are a lot of people who are really good, and it's like. Their material never changes. And then it's like, 
people like, man, five years ago, he was funny. And now it's like I can, you know, it's like I can do a sing along with his set. Mm. And so it's like, (laughs) you know, it's just one of those things where I needed to do well just so I could do it long enough to see that I could do it, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, so I did well enough early on where by the time I bombed, I'd already made the decision that I want to do this and I can do this. You're committed. And, you know, because I, I also know people who bombed early after starting all right and the first bomb got rid of them. It hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you and got... You, you, and you were already treating it like a craft. Like, you didn't just get up there. You were writing your material. You were testing it out. Yeah. What it's And, like, uh, and I have a... My, my writing style isn't a write-down type of material, but I when, I... when I started doing comedy, I decided to, I would be a student of mm-hmm. of laughter, comedy, and, you know, what I did that made people laugh in real life. Mm-hmm. So it's like after a while, I kind of could tell when I said things in real life that was good enough to take to the stage. Um, I also f- learned that when I speak passionately about things, it's something about the way I do that where I can be dead serious and I will make someone laugh. And I'm like, there's some comedy in that. So that's mm-hmm. also why I can talk about my father's death, um, you know, like on stage. It's like I've, I, I'm, I have the ability to talk about race and things that aren't always comfortable for people because... I've learned that my passion makes me funny and I've learned what things I say that make people laugh and how I, when I do certain things a certain way, how it makes people laugh. A lot of times if I do short sets, I'll make sure that there's some music in it because I know it's entertaining to people. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously, I'll do like hours of material and the mm-hmm. music will be maybe 10 minutes out of a whole hour. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool to have a, a hybrid. I mean, that makes you stand out. It's special. How, how does that... Communion, it's a great tool belt. So how, how does that end you up on Broadway? <laughs> you know, the I'm funny thing the about transition it there. is yes. that um, <laughs> I actually... The guy's at the back of the room. Yeah, so got, yeah you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually got... Um, I, I caught the acting bug mm. um, when I did a... Well, let me start say it like this. I um, Back when I was performing in D.C., one night someone at the show who was a casting director was casting a um uh one of those black gospel stage plays okay and she was like i want you to come and audition for this show it's called what goes around comes around it's directed by a guy named david e talbert who actually has gone on to uh direct movies he's directed the um movie first sunday with ice cube and tracy morgan and um I can't remember the most recent one he did, but Monique was in it and JB Smooth and the whole, you know, so it's like, so now David does, does that. But, um, so she had me come down to audition cause you know, I was funny as she, so I could sing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I went down and I auditioned and I got cast at the time. I didn't realize it. They were bringing me, they, they brought me in and they were like, we want you to, to play the lead role. But, um, what was they already had the guy, and I guess he wasn't acting right, so they brought mm-hmm. me in to kind of scare him. 
So <laughs> they, and they put Staging me they put me in like you know all right go in they had gave me a scene whatever and they told me to go in and I went in and I mean I had the room laughing and everything and I guess they were like now look <laughs> you better get it together or that guy's gonna take your part oh my god well wow. he got he got his act together and they gave me a smaller part in the play but but that was the thing that kind of got me. You know, got you know, I gave me the acting bug. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna really start pursuing this. And I was like, I'm gonna start coming to New York and start making my presence known in New York. And I just did the research to figure out how to um, just get involved in the New York scene. So I started coming up. I started doing stand up up here. I started um, getting backstage and all that other stuff and submitting for stuff. <laughs> and then I found, <coughs> excuse me. One of the things I like about New York is that you can submit directly to casting directors, whereas in L.A., not so much. It's all through agents. Yeah. So it was like, um, so at the time, uh, I remember seeing Rent on uh, the Rosie O'Donnell show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't know anything about the show. All I knew is that this was a diverse cast and I could see people that looked like me. And I was like, I want to be in that show. So I I went and I found out who cast um, Rent. And I sent this you know sent headshots mm-hmm. um then one day out of the blue i got a call for an audition and the audition was for um broadway replacements for mm-hmm. rent so they sent me they, they reached out to me and told me to prepare music for the parts of collins and benny wow me being so inexperienced i just thought that meant listen to the cast album listen to the songs done by them pick one of them and show up at the audition. So at the time I was in Baltimore. And so I, the day of my audition, I um, got on the bus and I came up and uh, I was like, I at least had the foresight to say, okay, my auditions in the afternoon. I need to get there early, go past the casting director's office and pick up the material that they have and just go over that. And so, um, when I got there, I got the material. It was like, it was obvious that, oh, they have specific things that they want me to sing. Mm. And I don't know any of these songs. And I was like, I got another plan. I will go down to where the audition is and I'm going to just hang out there all day long listening to what they're doing in the room. <laughs> wow. But I get down there and they don't have any morning auditions. Oh, I'm like, that was such a I'm, good idea. I'm like the second or third person scheduled in the afternoon. Oh. But I'm like, all right, well, I'll just come back in the afternoon. I'll get there early. I'll listen to a couple of guys in front of me. And then I'll go in there and do it. The parrot. And so mm-hmm. I uh, I listened and I was like, no, that's, I'm not going to be able to do that. So I just went to the room and I was like, hey, um, when you guys told me to prepare music for Rose of Collins and Benny. I just thought I'll, that I that you know that I I just needed to go listen to the, the cast album and pick a song. So these songs that you have right here, I don't know them, but I do know one of the songs from the show. You know, um, and they were like, "Well, this guy he doesn't play for the show, so he doesn't really know those songs. He just is playing because he has music in front of him." So she's like, "Well, go ahead and sing." acapella mm-hmm. and I'd sung uh, the I'll Cover You repri- reprise mm-hmm. acapella and she said well I can see that you can sing 
I'm gonna give you a call back. Come back next week and have the stuff prepared. What? Wow. So I came back for a call back and I didn't get cast as the Broadway for Broadway. So a few months pass and they reach out to me about um, auditioning for the national tour. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I, I did that. I got cast in the national tour of Rent, and I was Holy. like, that was. I figured that was gonna be my path to Broadway because. They basically would pay, take people from the tour and eventually move them to Broadway. And that never happened for me. I just happened to start doing more TV and film and commercials. And as time progressed, I kind of was, I kind of told my agents that I had no interest in auditioning for um, stuff that was going to go out of town. I didn't want to tour. I'm like, so basically, I'm only interested in auditioning for stuff that's headed to Broadway or off-Broadway. Sure. Which, of course, that narrows down the stuff that I can go out for, but it's, it's just the, the reality. You're it's the like, And so um, so years pass, and um, then, like, a couple of years ago, um, right after, you know, Hamilton is hot, and my agents reached out to me about possibly submitting me for Hamilton, Chicago. Wow. And I was like, well, it is Hamilton. I said for Hamilton, I will go out of town, um, but the the audition never materialized. But about a couple of weeks later, I get an email with you know, hey, um, here's material for Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going in in a week from now f- for the creative team. So I was like, well, the creative team. I'm pretty sure that that includes Tina Fey, who's probably the book writer, yeah. and so. I auditioned a couple of times for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and hadn't got it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I'll audition for this so that they'll see me and remember me for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> there you um, go. I'd also had a slight connection to Tina in that I used to write for Tracy Morgan. Mm-hmm. I wrote for one of his specials. Um, so I just, uh, so it was kind of like, okay, just that feeling of knowing that you have rolled in circles that people are in. I wasn't going to go into the audition and mention that, and I didn't. Um, for for the longest time, but I um I went and I prepared and I was like, um, they they had me sing a song, and I had a whole bunch of like sides to choose from, and I looked at all the sides and I picked a side that I was like, that one right here, this is the meatiest one, and I'm gonna, that's the one I'm gonna prepare. The other ones I'm like whatever, but this one I'm gonna prepare. Mm-hmm. As soon as I finished my song, they were like, do the side. They picked, they asked me to do the side oh, that, I, that I was, that I prepared Jeez. for. And I, I mean, like the first line of like, I got the laugh and it, you know, as a comedian, you're like, Ooh, you're feeding off of that. And it was like, I knew that I had a great audition mm-hmm. and I left and I had to go see my agent for something. I can't even remember at this point, probably like the, write them a check for something but um <laughs> i get to their office and they're like so how things go i said well you know it's cool i made people laugh so we'll see and while i'm at my agent's office they're like well they must have liked you because i just got an email from them saying make sure rick is available for the dates of the, uh, you know so that's not a booking but it's kind of like okay you know hey we want to make sure mm-hmm. and i was like yeah i'm good and so um by that evening my Agent calls and said, hey, how'd you like to hang out with Tina Fey for a little while? I was like, oh. I think I could do that. 
All right, that was our episode. You can follow Rick on Twitter and Instagram at Rick Younger. Check out his comedy album, Fried Chicken and White Bread, on iTunes. And see him on Broadway in Mean Girls the Musical at the August Wilson Theater. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends. It helps word about the show spread like a rumor. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to easily download new episodes. I'm Trying is hosted, edited, produced, and scored by Janelle Dennis and me, Jacob Derwin. Our cover art was created by the fabulous Sammy Kappa. See more of her work at SammyKappa.com. That's S-A-M-I-C-A-P-P-A dot com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at I'm Trying Show. And if you want... You can also follow us individually at Janelle Dennis and Jacob Derwin. If you've screwed up or embarrassed yourself and are looking for help, or pity, reach out to us on Twitter or email at imtryingshow at gmail.com, and our team of crisis experts will be more than happy to assist you. Yeah, we'll reasonably happy. Thank you so much for listening, and in the words of Lindsay Lohan, (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm I'm gonna gonna live live my life, life, but but not not the the way way you want want me me to. to. I'm sorry you had to say that. (laughs) So pleased with yourself.